Asians and yummy. You found your way back to the idiot's toolbox. I'm your master of ceremonies, Ryan Hercules. I'm not the kind of guy to have a podcast warm up. I'm not going to ask my audience, how y'all doing? Because frankly, I don't care. And I find it disingenuous when other podcasters do it. And if I did care, there's nothing I could do to help turn your shitty day into rainbows and unicorns anyway. It's just my personality to dive into my podcast and dispense with any time-wasting formalities. On a good day, you're going to get 2,000 words out of me. That seems like a lot, and it is, because I'm the person that's going to write them. But it's not enough for me to keep your attention for very long. So let's put the pedal to the metal, dispense with the formalities, and get her going. I'm as patriotic as the next guy. I never thought of myself as the kind of guy to cloak himself in the Stars and Stripes. I love seeing our flag, old glory, waving gently in the wind, but I'm not about to throw fists over someone trashing her. I'm a firm believer in our Constitution's First Amendment, which is generally described as protecting our rights of free speech, religion, and assembly. Wow, that is seriously the mother load. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and freedom to gather and protest our government's policies and actions. Peacefully protest, of course. When our Constitution came into existence in 1787, that was some crazy stuff. Those freedoms were unheard of. Globally, across the planet at that time, unheard of. The common folk was dirt back then. The world was mostly comprised of monarchs, dictatorships, and fiefdoms. Yeah, you had a right back then, a right to endure a life of hardship, a right to work yourself to the bone to the ripe old age of 31 before dying. Now, when I say people's life was worth spit back then, I'm of course not talking about the ruling class. Whether by blood, marriage, economics, or power, the ruling class lived great, as they always do. The level of exploitation and subjugation of humans back in the late 1700s is the stuff of a Netflix documentary. So our Constitution lists those three tenets, freedom of expression, freedom of religion, and freedom to assemble in the very First Amendment. They listed those first. That's how important our founding fathers considered these three. And these were revolutionary ideas, unheard of. To put them in perspective, if you were to take today's greatest technology, cell phones, Teslas, and artificial intelligence, and roll them into a ball the size of a baseball, these constitutional freedoms of the First Amendment would be 48 double Ds in comparison. There would be no comparison, zero. Nothing in history, nothing in the history of the planet could ever compare to the enormity of the First Amendment. These principles created a nation, a nation which went on to be the most influential, best country the planet has ever seen. And it's lasted so far. If Tom Brady was a nation, he'd be the U.S. And the amazing thing about our founding fathers was their conviction. No one ever talks about this. They were so cocksure of themselves about these three tenets of freedom, about these radical ideas, 
they were so sure of themselves, they stuck them first in the First Amendment. The rest of the Constitution was pissed off they weren't first. It was a big F you to the Commerce Clause. Screw you, right to bear arms. Piss off Equal Protection Clause. Yeah, all of those, all of the rest of the brilliance of our Constitution all took a back seat to the First Amendment. I wonder if history ever recorded the person who was against the First Amendment. I can certainly imagine in my mind somebody not wanting or supporting the First Amendments. Maybe one delegate, founding father, had an aside with Alexander Hamilton and said, Alexander, I have reservations about these freedoms that you speak of. These are simple people in the colonies, imbeciles. They're not capable of freedom of anything. My suggestion is we bury these in the back of the Constitution. Put them last. Maybe no one will ever see them. Possibly. I don't know. I mean, since I'm going to go with this, I'll respond as Alexander Hamilton would, I imagine. Listen, my good man, Lucius. Just as I know that treating blacks as three-fifths of a person is a good idea, I also know the First Amendment is a good one. Well, Hamilton hit a grand slam on the first, but he took a fastball to the chops on the second. I'm editorializing, of course. I have no clue what was said at the Constitutional Conventions or even how it was said. But was there any way that all of these guys were in agreement about anything so radical? Impossible. They could not have all been in agreement. I'm a family of five and we can't agree on anything. We can't agree on anything as simple as dinner or who's responsible for cleaning up after dinner. These guys had to put together a country. Of course they disagreed and hated each other, but they were civil about it. They were polite and civility won. They were polite in their disagreements and this helped them reach a middle ground. It helped them reach something rarely heard about these days. It helped them reach compromise. Back then, the high insult of the time was poltroon. Seriously, poltroon. I ain't making it up. P-O-L-T-R-O-O-N. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Poltroon? Poltroon. Just saying that word could get a white glove slapped across your face. It was the N-word of its time, or the C-word of talking to the ladies. What's different about today, in terms of how people react to these words, is the word that offends me today, there is honestly none. But the word that offends you the most might not be the one that offends the next guy. But there was uniformity over this word, poltroon. My father once called me a nitwit. I remember it. 40 years ago, I was a kid. I had no idea what it was, but I knew it was bad. And I've carried that with me my whole life. Listen, long before Italians were called wops, Irish called mixed, Jews were called heaves, Chinese called chinks, blacks called spear chuckers, Poles called Polacks, and Portuguese called Portuguese, 
Poltroon was all of that back then, but far worse. But you know why at the constitutional conventions no one ever called anybody a poltroon or anything else? Because you'd have to answer for it immediately. How in, 19, how in 1787 would you be called to answer for dissing another founding father? Because the dude who just got called a poltroon would slowly and dramatically remove his leather riding glove. Yeah, horses, how do you think they got to Philly? He would take his soft leather riding glove and take a swing, much like a girl throwing a baseball, and strike the offending man's face. And when that happened, it was on, baby. Ding, ding, ding. Drop the gloves. That slap across the face was an invite to take a one-shot pistol and stand 10 paces apart and try to kill the other guy with a lead ball. The threat of dying is a pretty good method to pump the brakes on insults. These guys had to assemble one of the most complicated doctor documents in the history of mankind, and not a single melee broke out. Sure, I imagine tempers were strained, and weird-looking leather shoes were stomped in Philly in 1787, but no one wanted to lose their life over it. Sure, constitutional scholars will paint these men, our founding fathers, as aristocrats, men of means and manner, that would never lower themselves to such callous words. Being a gentleman was far too important than to bicker and name call. Yeah, I'm taking a far more realistic and likely view of what went on then. These guys, our founding fathers, were a bunch of pussies and didn't want to walk 10 paces, turn and fire. Why would they? Seriously, these guys had it too good. These guys were the Elon Musks of their time. Why give it all up by calling some other founding father a poltroon and catching a lead ball through your forehead? This is why I love hockey. Any transgression committed on the ice is immediately reconciled. If you're a player that plays dirty in the NHL, you're going to be held accountable, not necessarily by the ref, but by the other players. You're going to have to drop the gloves and you're going to have to punch and be punched trans for your transgression. That's immediate accountability. The founding fathers faced exactly the same consequences with far more deadly results. So yeah, no bad words were spoken at the constitutional conventions. So the First Amendment, that was a biggie. Freedom of expression, religion, and assembly. These were earth-shaking. The freedom of expression, of course, has been extended to include speech. Maybe that freedom is dearest to me, the freedom of speech. The freedom of speech is so powerful that I can say just about anything I want. I can say that the former president was a narcissistic imbecile. I can say that without getting my head separated from my body. That's not true in much of the world today, and it certainly wasn't true back in the late 1700s. Having a negative opinion about a monarch, a ruler, a king, they'd throw you in the guillotine. Your head would come off and land in a basket. That freedom to me, that freedom to say just about anything, is our greatest. However, the freedom of speech is under attack like never before. You can't say a joking word about anybody. 
Comedians are booed off the stage for doing time-honored ethnic jokes. Comedians, even joking about their own religion or their own heritage, get booed off the stage. It's insanity. Comedians who are Latin even cue up the speedy Gonzalez accent and goof on some of the stereotypes of being, laugh of being Latin. It's funny as hell. We know their stereotypes. That's what has made them funny over the decades. We, the audience, know that all blacks are not criminals. Italians aren't greasy. Poles aren't dumb. Jews aren't cheap. Latins don't just mow lawns. We understand. We know reality from satire. We don't need the government to sanitize what we hear and treat us like children. We understand it's a joke. Look, I love Asians. I'm in total solidarity with Asians, not just because our media overlord tells me to be. That suddenly Asians are the victims of a massive crime wave sweeping the nation, Koreans, Vietnamese, Filipino, Laotians, and the Chinese. There's zero significance with me, Ryan Hercules, listing China last year. So a crime wave suddenly attacks are happening against Asians. This, of course, is total bullshit. Because honestly, who doesn't love Asians? We love Asians in this country. Uniformly love Asians. Maybe there was some tension between the inner city black community and Asians. You remember 1980s TV and rap? The tensions were over Asians coming into the hood and opening up stores and taking all that money out of the hood. You know, Asian families that escaped extreme poverty and violence to legally immigrate to the United States, worked like dogs to save up enough money to open up a biz in the hood, worked 80 hours behind bulletproof glass selling 40 ounces and smokes. Somehow these Asians were the bad guys in this scenario. But other than a few sparks, who doesn't like Asians? I've been around some racist dudes in my time, many of them black and Hispanic and otherwise. There was never anything but respect for Asians. Who doesn't love a delicious pork steamed dumpling or a banh mi sandwich or a non sod or soup dumplings or bulgogi? I swear to you, I have bonded with the Asian community over their food. I love it. Seriously, I love Asian food and consider myself a foremost authority on Vietnamese pho. Korean, Japanese, Chinese, Sichuan, Northern Chinese, I frequent these places often, and I know the subtleties of their tasty cuisines. My point is this, is food is culture. Food is culture. I feel more closely aligned with the Asian community because of their food. You might question my sincerity and ask, then why haven't you aligned with the Latin community through their food? Mexican food in particular. The Latin community has equally yummy food, which I love. The Latin community is just as successful and influential as the Asian community in the United States. But I'm going to tell you why. Because Taco Bell ain't Mexican food. Chi-Chi's is not Latin food. It's sold as, but it's not. It's like putting lipstick on a hot dog and calling it Angelina Jolie. Mexican food in the U.S. has been corporatized, hijacked, and sold to the masses. 
Profits became far more important than carrying on age-old traditions with age-old recipes. Hand-picked ingredients were passed over for hand-over-fist profits. Food that every American associates with Mexico is not even Mexican. The chimichanga, not Mexican. Chimichanga is more cheeseburger and apple pie than burrito and taco. However, I am happy to report that the injustices done to Latin food in this country are being redressed. You can legitimately find delicious and authentic Mexican, Colombian, Argentinian, Guatemalan, Venezuelan, and all the others. All this delicious food, you can find it in cities just like the one I'm broadcasting from now, Atlanta. Social media, despite driving teen girls to suicide and advancing far-left agendas, has really helped spread the word of ethnic food. If you're a regular, you've heard me mention TikTok. It's been a great platform for the Asian community to highlight their cuisine. We don't need the president to order flags lowered to half mass. We need the president to eat more kimchi and ramen and tofu and fu and satay and bulgogi and birani and Beijing duck. Again, not intentionally leaving, leaving China last. If you paid attention in history class or lived through it, the first great thawing of tensions with China in the 1970s was through ping pong. Seriously, ping pong. China and the U.S. circa 1970 were like Hat the Hatfields and the McCoys, Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie, Britney Spears and Christina Aguilar. God, I hate myself for invoking the names of such awful people. Anyhow, the U.S. and China didn't like each other. Mostly, I think, because we didn't understand each other. So through guided circumstance, the ice was broken with ping pong. The U.S., if I'm not mistaken, sent a team over to play ping pong against China's national team. Ping pong is a big deal over there. If you have a billion people not particularly physically gifted, then things like ping pong, chess, math team, and diving are viable options. So there was a lot of backslapping with ping pong diplomacy and posing for pictures and we're not very different sort of insights. And ping pong paved the way for more normalized relations between the two countries. My point is this, today instead of ping pong diplomacy, the White House should pursue kimchi diplomacy or yakitori diplomacy. Don't lower the flag in support of any particular race or culture. Do something to take away the strange. Enjoy diverse, yummy foods. Let the propaganda machine, today's media, see you, the president, enjoying a well-balanced bowl of ramen. When I mean well-balanced, I mean the flavor profiles coming together harmoniously is off the charts. Let the president talk about food, not just take a mouthful and move on to handing out more free federal funds that will never find their way back to the U.S. Treasury. The president is the leader of the free world, right? He's just as influential as, say, TikTok. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. He's nowhere near as influential as TikTok. But you get my drift. Stop with the meaningless political gestures and celebrate all things yummy and Asian. Asian food is a gateway to getting to know Asian culture. 
And once you start to know and appreciate Asian culture, it takes the mystery out of that culture away, away like ping pong diplomacy did back in the 1970s. It paves the way, food does, cultural ethnic food, it paves the way for more meaningful relationships with other cultures. All this talk has made me hungry. I can't wait to sink my teeth into a quarter pounder with cheese, fries, and a Coke. I'm Ryan Hercules, and you just listened to the Idiots Podcast. Send me your hate. Send me your love. Send me anything that's grinding your gears today or any day to idiotstoolboxpodcast at gmail. Idiotstoolboxpodcast at gmail. See ya!